Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Good morning and welcome to the Essen Fressen show. Um, this Tuesday morning, I'm actually sitting on the banks of the Gamorti River. Um, and I have to just tell you that despite us not having electricity in South Africa, things aren't so bad. Here, I've had to find a tree near the Wi-Fi station and um, be able to send this show in because there is no Wi-Fi at some of the camps. So it, it's been an interesting thing. They have a very limited uh, Wi-Fi here. It is beautiful. Um, sadly, I'm going to be returning to the very cold weather, but in the meantime, I'm enjoying the 27 degree heat. It's been some interesting times um, in the bush out here. You know, the elephants kept me awake the whole night as he decided there was a tree outside my tent that he really, really was enjoying eating. And then he broke down one of the solar panels at about midnight. And then the lions started. And with those started the hippos doing their daily trek to and from the rivers. So not quiet in the bush, as people would assume. It's quite noisy, but beautiful nonetheless. So I thought, talk about the foods that I've been able to eat here and, and the, the difficulties of traveling and just how grateful we should be for where we're living, despite everything that's going wrong or seems to be going wrong. And the first thing is, um, I do need to thank the hosts that have, you know, the lodges that have hosted me because they have been incredible and they are all trying their best to get ready and to be trained up so that if they have guests who want to keep kosher, they can. Now, the catch is that two of the lodges have got meat-only kitchens, the catch being that you can't get kosher meat in Botswana. Well, not where I am anyway. Um, I did have to bring my own. Um, one of the kitchens is a dairy kitchen, which has been very nice because I needed my tea with some milk. Um, and the first few nights we were at a place where there was no, you know, it was a meat-only kitchen, so there was no tea. I did manage to get a disposable cup with some normal hot chocolate for the early morning. But just thinking about the, the challenges of being in a remote place like this and for the chefs themselves, who aren't used to kosher, who don't know kosher. Um, when I got in, the one had been taught, I'm not sure by who, and it was, um, let's put it this way, I should have bought shares in tinfoil because literally everything, including the door handles, were covered in tinfoil so, because that's what they thought they had to do. So that was quite an interesting thing. And once we started teaching, they suddenly realized that keeping kosher is not as hard as they thought. We wandered into their storerooms and um, found out that I'd say about 50% of the produce in their stores is actually kosher. So that was an easy one to do. Uh, the only difficulty came with milk. Um, for three of the places that I was at, the Long Life Milk is not a kosher brand. The one place has only the little individual triangles of kosher milk. So at least there I could have some proper tea. Um, 
and then it's just explaining to setting, you know, just check the setup to recasher things, to show them how to cache things and to get them to, you know, get all the new equipment in and organized. So that was, um, that was always fun, spending somebody else's money, love doing that. And it's kitchen gadgets, love that just as much. So we've, we've had a lot of fun here, all of us learning together. Um, I did go one place in Zambia where I, I, probably the chefs could have run the course. Um, their kashrut levels and their dedication to kashrut was amazing. So that was Livingston um, where I never really, I stood in the doorway watching because I was there as, you know, to be a mashkia for a tour. And these guys seriously knew what they were about, you know. Um, the first day I arrived, the one came to me and said, can you come light my candle? I'm like, why would I want to light a candle? And then I realized that when they do guests that are self-supervised, the guests then light a candle in the morning, quite a long taper, so that when they go out on their excursion or their game drive, the chef has an already lit candle and he's able then to light the gas stoves. And they all had gas stoves. The one place had an electric stove, but um, they didn't have the power at the moment, uh, you know, <laughs> so not only us without electricity, they didn't have any power to light that. So we only used gas for there. And the food that they, these guys managed to pull out of a kitchen that is so tiny, um, it, it's not even, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Uh, the one kitchen I had to stand at the doorway literally because there was no space for two people so the chef is preparing for six people for food in this tiny little dark room and then in the mornings we would check all the leafy vegetables that he had planned for the day because I needed the sunlight um, and then he'd be you know he could have continued on his own obviously I was standing there but I was watching him he remembered like the eggs and all those kind of things. I did have to stop him once or twice because he was doing my job. So, so there was a pleasure and, and it just shows us that we can go anywhere in the world these days and have a pleasant holiday, have a fully catered holiday um, in places, especially if you don't mind that you are only going to be eating fish. Um, and that was one of the things that we had a discussion about is the meat only kitchen, but they can't always get meat from Joburg unless they ask their guests to bring it with them, um, which is what I did. And even then it's, it's a, a bit of a problem. You're listening to the Essen Fressen show this Tuesday morning. I am Adrian Bugatti, your host, and I am hosting from the Gamati River in Botswana. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to bry or fine dine. This is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bugatti. It's all about the food. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm Adrian Bugatti and I am sitting on the banks of the Gamoti River. I'm just going to let you know that you may hear some odd background noises because uh, we are... Um, outside here and I have to tell you the bush is not as quiet as people would like to think um, and there are two woodpeckers going at it this morning with different rates of speed so that's always fun one of the things that um, I was saying we, we kind of need to be grateful 
for South Africa that despite the lack of electricity, food is in abundance um, if you can afford the right stuff. Here, the law is that they may not import any produce, which means everything has to be grown here in Botswana. So sitting at a luxury lodge where the lodge tells you that um, they can't give you anything with peppers because there are no peppers. Apparently a few months ago there were no potatoes and before that there were no onions. So everything is um, grown here and you cannot import it. It is a 450,000 puller fine which is relatively close to what we've got. I think the rand exchange is one rand three to a puller. So maybe about 300,000 then. And um, sorry, Matt's not my strong suit. So that, that's become a, quite an interesting thing. Even Woolworths can't um, sell any of that because it wasn't grown here. So the law applies to everybody. Um, it was interesting getting my meat here. Um, I must admit, I put it in the suitcase. Um, I went through the declarations. I said to the guy, the meat is for my personal use. Um, I'm here for 10 days. So he looked at it and he said, okay, well, six kilos of meat should be good for 10 days. And we're, we were good to go. Um, they were a bit reluctant, but I did have a letter saying that I was bringing it for personal use, that it was not going into any store, that it wasn't going into the main kitchens at the lodges where I'm staying and would not infect anything. Um, and everything was vacuum blacked. This doesn't always work. Um, my, my son is in Tanzania at the moment and his food disappeared um, but thankfully has been found. Um, the uh, cooler box uh, did not make it on the plane from Kenya to Tanzania but was found at Kenya airport and is on its way. So there's always a good thing. So like I said you can get kosher food anywhere because the first thing he found and he said well at least I can have tea and coffee because the milk is from South Africa. Well, it's got the best in stamp on it. So he's good to go. Breakfast is sorted. The rest of the meals we may have a problem with. So they're waiting there for their luggage. And it seems to be a thing because a couple of the guests here at this lodge where I am um, also have had experiences with no luggage. So just a little tip. Um, when you're traveling, there's the reason that the bag is called an overnight bag. And that is that you must have at least one change of clothing, full change, in your overnight bag. And as, as whatever toiletries are allowed, just remember the liquid allowances and things like that. And aerosols are not allowed on the hand luggage that has to go in. So get yourself a stick deodorant just for emergencies. Um, because quite a few people have got no luggage. Uh, the poor honeymoon coming from Seville in Spain have only got their overnight bag and their malaria tablets are stuck in Spain. So that, that's an important thing. Back to what we're talking about on the show is always food. So the food I've had here has been amazing. The th two other lodges are meat only. One was a dairy and then the one in Zamb Zambia was magnificent. He has a Bechdin kitchen and then he had the other kosher kitchen. And the other kosher kitchen is we should all have our kitchens that well organized and marked. Everything is tagged. And I learned a little trick from them. If you've got something that is meat, but it's kind of the wrong color to your milk things, it sort of matches. What they've done is they've put colored cable ties around everything. 
so that they can see whether it's dairy or meat. So the pot lids, the pot handles, the spatulas, everything. If there is a hole that they could put the cable tie through, they did. Even the chopping boards had it. So I thought that was a really, really great um, thing to have. It was a really good idea. Discam delivered. Is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Discam delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food and toiletries what and beauty, whatever you need, Discam delivered has you covered. Download the easy to use Discam app and shop over 7,000 products at in-store prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. Now you can relax while Discam delivers your essentials to you. It's that simple. Discam delivered from Discam to you. Discam pharmacies, pharmacists who care. So I'm talking about foods and stuff like that um, and checking vegetables. It, it's been great and having to, having once I did the training, especially with the wine chef who I've been working with for about five days now, I was able to almost sit and relax like a regular guest where he did everything. I watched him check the eggs and I checked them myself, but it is having to train him so that when there is no mashgiach, he can still produce beautiful kosher food for the guests. And it was interesting to go into their storeroom, like the products on the shelves. There's so much kosher. It was more like a, okay, let me tell you what you have that's not kosher. And we go from there. And it was just an amazing thing. And one of the weirdest things I found was a cream substitute with a Bechtin logo on that says dairy. But in the same thing, it has a vegan label on it. So that was quite an interesting one. Um, obviously, we didn't use it because it's a meat kitchen here. Um, but we did use it in the, in the dairy kitchen. Um, and it was actually much nicer than the, the imitation cream that we get. Um, but it was, it was an interesting experiment. Um, and trying to explain the meat and fish. Their kitchen generally is a meat kitchen at the resorts, as I was saying, um, mostly because of the size. I mean, these kitchens that they have built, and they've built them specially for the kosher guests, which was quite a, I think that's quite a, a, a statement to how dedicated they are. And it's a tiny, tiny little space where they've got like a, a little gas stove and a kitchen counter, um, one fridge. Uh, the one place I went to, though, had two little bar fridges. Um, but they have one fridge and freezer, and then they've got these boxes for their kosher equipment that get padlocked and put away again between guests. Um, so I did a lot of cushering in the beginning because I don't know who their previous guests were, and I'm not sure. And there was a lot of stuff that I said that they weren't allowed to use for me. Uh, they did get me new pans, which was great, and a new pot. Um, so we've managed with that. And it's been wonderful to have five-star food that I didn't have to cook, which was really good, and that we could just, you know, sit down to a normal meal. Yeah, it was a little different because my table has a big sign on it that says, for kosher guests. So, you know, you're kind of conspicuous there. Um, and, but it was fun and lots of questions and what amazed me the most is how many Jewish people I have met here. 
um, from all over the world. There were some great experiences on the plane coming through to Botswana. Um, I met a couple, a uh, family from Australia, but who were originally in um, Cape Town. Um, so, you know, and we were chatting and turns out for those who remember, who know Alan, he knows Alan Bender, they know Alan Bender and the Benders well, down in St. Ives, which was great. Um, and then the first lodge I was at, I kept looking at this other table and thinking, you know, those people for sure, for sure. And it turned out they were Jewish as well. Um, and they were so excited because they've got family that's kosher and now the family can also come on these holidays. And then here I am at the last lodge in Gamorti and I was chatting to a lady who's accompanied a family on a very private safari and she's Jewish from Cape Town. Um, and the family that she's tra traveling with are Jewish from America. So where, where, wherever you go, there is a Jewish person to meet. And one of the nice things is that you can proudly say that these lodges keep kosher. So I hope you're enjoying listening to my short travels. And uh, hopefully we'll have more from my son in, Ken in Tanzania soon. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Adrian Bagatti. You're listening to the Essen Fressen show, which is being sent to you from the banks of the Gamorti River in Botswana. So with me is Chef Samson and Chef Katie and I'm going to ask them about their experiences before and after about kosher guests. I'm going to start with Chef Samson because I've been working with him for a few days now. So he's kind of got to know me and my habits. And let's find out from him. So Chef Samson, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Adrian. Okay. My question to you is this. Before we met, you'd had kosher guests at your lodge before, right? Exactly. Yes, we okay. did. But how did you find that? Um, it was very difficult because we didn't have uh, a lot of knowledge. We didn't uh, know exactly what to do when the kosher clients come through. So it was a little bit difficult. It, it, it had uh, lots of um, problems handling kosher uh, clients. Okay. So you've only got a meat kitchen, both of you, Katie and, and um, Samson. You guys both only have meat kitchens here. So yes. one of your big worries was... Um, I know with the cutlery and the crockery and the meat because you can't get meat here but also the the ingredients because i know everybody i've spoken to have always said like every time they had a kosher guest they would run into town which is not that close <laughs> and buy all these things okay. and so chef katie were you surprised by how much stuff you have in your storeroom that is kosher oh oh uh yes uh thank you for having me uh my name is chef katie yeah, you know, it was a big surprise because most of the stuff lying in our stores, 90% of the stuff we have are kosher. And mm. we did know, even from the last order that we did for you, so <laughs> I have to make a new menu and then send another new fresh order tomorrow. Whilst lots of stuff are lying in my store. Yeah. So it was a big eye-opening uh, for me and my kitchen as well. Thank you so much for, no, for that uh, knowledge. Thank you for hosting us. I mean, thank you for being open to us. Um, in terms of the cooking style and things like that, um, I mean, you guys create unbelievable food out of just about nothing. I mean, I know you've got a full 
you know, dry store and the fridge. But with the rules for Botswana of not being able to get certain ingredients, how did you manage that, Samson? Yeah, yeah, it, it's been it's been very challenging. Uh, it's been very challenging, but um, <clears throat> now it's it's, it's 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 a little bit better, as you said, uh, and as you showed us what uh, uh, kosher commodities we have in the storeroom. We 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 will probably plan a little bit better this time because now we know most of the things that we have are in the storeroom and we do not need to rush and buy new uh, commodities because we have most of the things here the only problem is the meats meats we do not have yeah. um we, we still looking uh, apparently understand we've got um, a, um probably a kosher butchery in Khaboroni. we still need to find that though but once we do, probably we can get meats from Khaboroni. Um, but at the moment, it's still very, very difficult. And Chef TK, having Katie, sorry, I don't know why I've got your name stuck as TK. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Katie, uh, I wanted to know, you know, with the rules for the produce, the fresh produce in Botswana, um, do you often find guests getting upset that they can't have like an ingredient that they wanted, like a pepper in their eggs or something like that? uh not really actually but uh like you explained to me yesterday i think most people are kosher and those are mm. not are strict kosher but mm. when they come here they just go with whatever that we have mm. and i think for us i think especially in this industry we need to have a, maybe a, some kind of a, uh, a trainee mm. a deep trainee maybe before people come into the industry so mm. they have knowledge way about the kosher people so if people have knowledge, then it will be easy for them if we have any emergency a kosher uh, guest in camp. Yeah. Well, hopefully you won't have an emergency kosher guest because generally when kosher people want to travel, they take a lot of planning. Mm. Um, but my question is also about the non-kosher guests, your normal guests, your everyday guests. Do you guys ever find like a problem with them when you go and you say, look, um, the Botswana rule says, we can't have anything that wasn't grown in Botswana, so now we have no onion, or now we have no pepper, or now we have no lettuce, or whatever. Do you find guests are okay with that, or do they get upset about that? Yeah, we come across lots of uh, such uh, incidents, but the, most of guests, they understand, like when they come, they know we are in the bush, like you said, mm. we get most of most of our fresh uh, far from uh, the town most mm. of the, uh, the camps are in the deltas mm. so but the, most of the guests when you explain to them that i'm running out of this or we don't have this mm. they easily understand and then they will eat what we have yeah normally we don't have um much problems with, yeah. with that issue yeah obviously understand. the ordering and that that that's the stores and the and the chefs are responsible for making sure that you guys have got enough exactly. stuff for the guests that are coming in True. so um you've also had lots of kosher guests in the past here how did you deal with that uh, the last kosher I guess that I had it was a very big group, but actually because they maybe the 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 company realized that our camp don't have enough knowledge, mm. so they brought all their stuff, and then it works easy for for, for the kitchen. Ah. They got all their stuff labeled from breakfast, lunch, tea, and dinner. So what I was only doing, like I said, lots of tin for them. All <laughs> yeah. what I was doing just. Uh, all of them were labeled with days, so I just pull from the fridge and then I put in the oven. Okay. And warm it and give to them. Okay, so that they brought the, the, the pre-cooked food. Kosher food. So how do you feel about serving food that you've never made, well, that you ha didn't have make and that you don't know what's inside that tin foil 
And now it's your reputation. You're serving food that you've never seen. Feel very bad. Yeah. Feel very bad. Because, uh, like you say, I think you need more deep knowledge about this kosher friend because I prefer to serve fresh food from my hand. That's it. I've cooked. Yeah, it's your reputation. <laughs> you know, you. and people, uh, that is that is a thing. Um, I mean, that is something we're all used to as kosher travelers is these little packaged tinfoil things that are often overcooked because the chef, isn't allowed to open it exactly. so he sticks yes. it in the oven he has no right. idea what he's actually cooking <laughs> or how it was cooked before so you get a thing that says red roast beef on it but you know to go into the oven technically it should have been raw roast beef <laughs> so that when you put it in the oven and it keeps cooking it becomes rare roast beef yeah. Yeah, yeah you know and not being able to cook not being able to check on the produce i mean i know you guys like you like to check it, you, you, you check your pots a hundred times while it's cooking, you're tasting and that, and having to do these prepackaged meals. And it also, I'm sure, you, you know, when you serve it on a plate and you've got all the other guests with their beautiful plates and yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, nicely yeah, it decorated. Was, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was very challenging, but um, uh, from the recent kosher clients that we've had, they've uh, come through and they've appreciated and they mm. wanted us to cook for them. And mm. uh, it seems like we're actually getting lots of kosher clients coming through. And uh, that's a good thing for us, mm. and especially having you around, teaching us and letting us know how the kosher culture is dealt with and everything else. We, we, we really, really appreciate that. And uh, I think going forward, we're also getting more kosher clients, mm. and we are going to be producing all that instead of having them come with uh, uh, tin-foiled uh, foods and everything. Yeah. They are now trusting us that we know what we're doing. We've been properly trained by you, and we have the knowledge. Yeah. And they feel safe when we produce the food, and we decorate it, and we plate it. We want the kosher people to feel like normal people in a mm. restaurant. Yeah. Yes, obviously they will be separated from the other guys, uh, but we want them to feel that the food has been produced from the kitchen and is safe to eat. Yeah, I mean, even me knowing I'm coming to help in the kitchens and stuff, I still bought um, uh, dry noodles, instant <laughs> noodles, because I wasn't sure what the setups were going to exactly. be. I know Kerry Camp was new and they there was like, I didn't know if they even had a kitchen, the kitchen yet. Yes. Um, you know, and, and really what amazes me is, okay, this one, this tent here, you know, look is quite big compared to the little kitchen in Ngoma okay. <laughs> and at Kerry. Um, but I like the fact that, that you guys are also eager to learn and wanting to help the guests and to serve the kosher food and just get it out there. Mm. And it definitely, for me, like, yes, I'm supervising kind of, but it was like a holiday for me <laughs> to come to all these places. And like, all I had to do is make sure that Everything was checked. We did the training while you were cooking um, and, you know, some of the theory about it. And hopefully, you know, that stays in practice and, and stuck in everybody's head. And it was fun for me to go through the storerooms with you guys and, you know, just see like what you guys already have <laughs> and say, but look how kosher, it's so easy. Yeah, it, um, is, it is. It is. Look, I know meat is, meat is a big issue um, out here. But the fish is, you know, fresh caught fish last night was, was amazing. <laughs> so, so that was a nice thing. And it's nice that that is something that you can do, that it's, you know, in Johannesburg, we're kind of used to this frozen fish, yes. you know, and here it was like fresh, fresh. which was, was really amazing. Yeah. And, and bream and, and stuff that, 
I know it's kosher, but then, you know, fish in Johannesburg is actually more expensive than meat. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's been, it was quite difficult. Um, and then last night's boma was beautiful as well. And I didn't feel different to anybody. Mm, you know, yes, I yes. had my soup starter. Yes, it wasn't the same it's as theirs. Everyone. And I had my main course. But yes, I didn't have meat. I had fish. Mm. But it was fine because I still had this big plate of food. Too much food, Samson. <laughs> I still had this big plate of food that everybody else had. Yes. And it was just felt really good, you know. Um, yeah, and I think I had mean. a nicer dessert than they had. They had cake, <laughs> which I like. I like chocolate cake. Yeah. But I had nice fruit with a syrup that drizzled on. It was really good. Thank you. So, so that was, you know, and the crepes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Which you saw. I ate the crepes and left, <laughs> left the fruit. Yeah, you know, um, but it was nice to be able to go into a place where I, I mean, I don't know Botswana at all. Mm. So for me to come into a place and see, Oh, well, I could have a salad with feta cheese in because the feta cheese is kosher. Mm, mm, and mm, I could, you know, eat, oh, I can have the custard and I can have the... So for me as well, as as a guest, nice knowing um, that the thing is. I think it's also very hard for you guys because the kosher guests are going to want to see your kitchens. That's true. That's true. And that kind of makes you nervous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think going forward now, uh, what we propose to uh, management and the directors is for them to set up a permanent kosher kitchen because it looks like we are getting lots of kosher mm. clients. So I think it will be a, a perfect and it will be ideal for us to have a permanent kosher kitchen. Mm. And the other thing that we also want them to implement is to have a, a, a meat and dairy kitchen. That would be nice. That would be nice for the kosher clients to come through and be able to eat anything and everything that we are able to sell yeah. them. Yeah. Not for, for them to have either mm. a dairy or a meat um, yeah. a kitchen. Yeah. So we would really try to make sure that we uh, convince them with your help as well to make sure that all that is taken into consideration. And when we have kosher clients that are treated normally like everyone else. Yeah. yeah that will also help uh, uh, the, the, the staff to know more about the kosher mm, yeah. as, exactly. as much as we have a separate establishment for, for them because we'll keep all their stuff in there mm. so every time everyone goes into that kitchen we'll see oh, okay this is kosher this is kosher mm. yeah. people they don't panic when the kosher mm. guests come in nobody panics though so they know exactly we got some our stuff mm. then they get used to it yeah when the kosher comes in now they are everyone is calm Mm. Yeah. Like now when you come, you know, I was panicking. Uh, <laughs> Alka asked me to make a menu for you. I mm. did like three times a menu. He said, no, not no, this one. He canceled. Mm. I make another one <laughs> up to the third menu. So when she approved it. Uh. But if you do this constantly, then people will know. Yes. It will yes. just flow. And then people... And the truth is, I don't know about other people, but when I'm traveling like as a coach guest, um, and I'm watching the main kitchens where they give a lot of often uh, some of the places will give the guest options mm, mm. do you want chicken or do you want beef i think as as a kosher traveler you know i don't need those choices the okay. fact that i don't have to worry mm, about mm, mm. my food or where it's coming from and that i don't have to live on tins of tuna for 10 days yes. or instant noodles for 10 days <laughs> that is huge yeah. yes having the choice is nice but the amount of food that gets wasted when you have that kind of choice, mm. just so I, I don't believe in food yeah, waste. Yeah, um, yeah. That is one of my things is the thing. And I was just saying to you guys, one of the things I teach, which we have now, is um, 
shopping at home first. Shopping at home first. So you guys have learned that lesson <laughs> firsthand. You shop in your own cupboard before you go to the store. True, true. And that applies whether you're kosher or not kosher, mm -hmm. because you don't want to buy tw two of everything, which <laughs> often happens. Yeah. Um, and you'll come home and you'll find that there's stuff that you've bought that you actually didn't need to. Mm. I know, especially like the gluten-free stuff, because that one's got all the stamps on mm. and it's the flowers and things and, you know, and the sugar and all that kind of thing. Um, and yet a lot of the stuff is quite simple. I think the difficult thing is you guys have got, you know, well now have you've got your presentation and it's got like 600 different uh, kosher stamps on, yes, which you saw in your kitchen yeah. as well. <laughs> Even one that I didn't recognize and had to take, you know, needs a magnifying glass to read <laughs> because it's so small. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was, there was something, you know, that, that I was able, that was nice for, for us to all go through to just open the cupboard and go, oh, wow, you've got this, 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 mm -hmm. this, this. Mm -hmm. And for South Africans, it's stuff we'll recognize because it's, you know, stuff we get at home a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but we are hoping, you know, to do a lot more travel. It's good for the economy in Africa in is, general, is. is for all of us to travel around Africa. And what I also like is um, most of the places here in Botswana uh, are SADAC rates. So if you come from South Africa, it's a different rate than mm -hmm. if you're coming from America or England or Italy or even China, the poor people from Spain who have no luggage. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's you know. local, regional and international rates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that that's an amazing thing. One of the things I have to admit, how did you guys find? Hmm, this has got nothing to do with food. <laughs> how did you guys find flying on those tiny planes <laughs> for the first time, like coming out to these areas? Yeah, it's very scary. The first time when you get on them, it's very scary. <laughs> but eventually, you get used to that. Right? My very, very first time when I was flying into the Delta, because I've worked into Delta for the most of my mm. most of my times. So the very first time, so I was fleeing from my home and, uh, you know, I was very panicky and then I didn't, I, I couldn't listen well to the pilot when he was giving a safety briefing. <laughs> so when we were landing, it was a 15 minutes flight into the, to the yeah. we very close. So when he, when he was landing, so I started seeing the plane going down and down. So I started to see trees coming closer and closer. <laughs> then I thought the plane was crashing down. <laughs> so I started holding all the chairs at the back. Then up until I saw the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the runways. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, we are landing. Yeah. So, so that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's scary when you get on a plane for the first time and true, it's a big true, plane. True. Yeah. And now you're getting on this little 13-seater. <laughs> And, and for me, I, I mean, I'm not. The flight home is going to be interesting because the clouds are very low. Yeah, yeah. Although I see the sun is starting to burn them <laughs> off. Yeah. So hopefully by the time I leave just now, it, yeah. it'll be dry. It's space, yeah. The only thing I, I must admit, I've been enjoying working with you guys. So I want to thank you very much. So much, and I thank you very much for agreeing to doing the interview you for me today. Thanks to you. It has been an amazing experience for me here in Botswana and <laughs> your hospitality. And I was saying earlier on the show. One of the things that I've loved about Botswana is the friendliness. Yes. Everybody yes. greets you. In Johannesburg, <laughs> nobody greets you. But I would say we we need to be more careful, like the cultures of the kosher mm. people, because we like mm. to greet people. Mm. Oh, so shaking hands. Yeah, shaking shaking hands. hands. But like I said, yeah. if you put, uh, they'll tell you if they don't yeah. shake hands yeah. or not. Yeah. You know that that's the least of the problem. It's more important to keep kosher than worry about shaking hands. Yeah. Mm. Um, so. 
you know, but it was just, that was something that like in Johannesburg, if you go to the store and you're buying your shopping, the lady in the till is talking to her friend. She doesn't even look at you. <laughs> oh, no, and funny. that was like such a strange thing for me when I landed in Kasani first. Yes. yes. And everyone with big smiles. Everybody said hello. Yes, like yes. from the guy, I don't know, on the runway yeah. to to everybody. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's that's definitely something I'm going to miss. Yeah, we've got too that's much so love to give. Mm. Yeah. 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 So I look forward to coming back and I want you to thank you guys for making it yes. accommodating <laughs> kosher guests for the yes. future. Oh, yes, and yes. thank you, Will. Thank you so Thank much. You Thank you this for is us. the Essen show, and it is from Gamorti Plains on the Gamorti River in Botswana. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the show and enjoyed listening to my interview with Chef Samson who I've been working with for the last few days um, and his journey in learning about kosher and the misconceptions that he had about it and what did he did. I hope there wasn't too much background noise. Um, this was recorded on my phone, so um, hopefully it was clear enough for everybody to listen to. Um, I have enjoyed my stay in this beautiful country. Such friendly people here. It's not something we're used to in Johannesburg. Everybody greets you. Everybody says hello. Everybody says good morning. It's just wonderful. You know, there, there's just, it is what it is. We all get used to it. Um, like I said, uh, during the night was very noisy. Uh, the elephants destroying the tree outside my tent and knocking down the, the electricity. Um, having to learn that there is, like, find the exact right spot where the Wi-Fi works has been quite an adventure. It's not something any of us are used to, um, you know, and also falling asleep in, in a tent. I don't care how fancy the tent was. It took a while to get used to the fact that there are no curtains, no walls. It's just all soft, you know, it's tents. Even though it does have solar and you've got electricity in it and you've got your shower, which was quite interesting. And, you know, everything is there. It's got all the creature comforts, the most amazing beds and all that kind of thing. Just, it's a tent. <laughs> um, so so that, that's been interesting to, to learn to um, do. I have to admit, some of my travels have had me very, very spoiled. So it's been good to, to get out and see the rest of Africa. And hopefully there'll be more trips around Africa for me. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Africa and being able to create little spaces where we as Jewish people can travel and know that we'll be able to eat our food in peace and we'd be able to have the experience that everybody else has always ever had and not have to slip our tins of tuna with us in the suitcase or the long life milk or you know those kind of things. Um, one of the things we did discover that was quite hard here um, besides bringing in the wine, I mean the, the meat, is bringing in wine. Um, it's very difficult to get wine here. And while a lot of the kosher guests that I've met over the years don't really drink wine, there are quite a few that do and that they enjoy their glass of wine with dinner at night. And being able to offer it has been amazing. And um, 
we've had quite a lot of discussion about what wines are suitable and what are good wines. And one thing I've learned is everybody has their own taste. So there's no one good wine for each person. But what we are trying to do is that if we do have wine in, in one of these countries, is that we have a South African wine. Um, you want to keep it all African. And that's the other thing that we've been doing, um, is trying to keep it African, um, to remind people that, you know, it doesn't matter where they are in the world. We have very, you know, here in Africa, the whole continent has a lot of connectivity. We have a lot of things that are exactly the same. We just call them by different names, you know, um, and that's it. It's so strange, you know, you're sitting in a country um, and they're talking about a braai and burevors, um, you know, which which was unexpected to say the least. Um, and, and that's been fun. And it's been fun meeting new people. And it always is. And finding out the different chefs and the different ways of cooking. Um, and everybody's different tastes have been absolutely wonderful. Um, and the last two nights, I've kind of left the chef and sort of said to him, right, what would you like to make? For supper and or for lunch and the creativity that comes from being able to cook in a limited kitchen has astounded me so i'm very grateful for being able to travel i am looking forward to being able to present my show please god next week live and in studio um but as far as i remember i might also be in the bush again so i'm just waiting to check on that but it would be wonderful if you have any suggestions, any questions or anything you'd like me to cover, please just let me know. Um, I would love to talk about other things, um, all things food related, obviously, but covering old recipes and old memories would be wonderful. Um, and I think we need to talk about soups once again, because it is still freezing and we still have two months of winter to go so i'm adrian bugatti this was the essence freshen show and thank you for listening